Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Below Escapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer Simon Baxter. Good evening, Simon. Hello. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you very much for, for your time this evening. Uh, very much looking forward to this. I've managed to spend a bit of time having a look through your, your book, uh, Gathering Time, which I'm sure many people have, uh, have picked up a copy of. Um, but before we get into talking about your book and your work, it would be great just to get an introduction to yourself and your photographic journey. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a pretty long one in, in in some ways because i probably i think i was around about seven from you know between seven and ten when i bought my first camera uh, we were on a holiday in cornwall and um, i think it was near my birthday summertime and i went to argos and bought a little uh, compact camera it was colored gold gold plastic um uh, cost about 20 pounds something like that but that's that's my earliest earliest memory of taking photographs and i still have that camera now and it still has a half-used roll of film in there. Um, so maybe I should get that developed one day. Um, but yeah, since since that time, it's it's always been of interest. I've, I've kind of dipped in and out. Um, it's always been about uh, not necessarily being particularly creative, but having a fascination for documenting holidays, you know, getting your better-than-average photographs of family events and that yes. kind of thing. Um so yeah, then, then that's that kind of went on for for years and years, just bubbling away in the background. Um, never really read much about photography. My only memory of actually learning something about it was, apart from some very old copies of Practical Photography magazine, was the series that I watched on Channel Four with Chris Packham. I mean, this was I, this was I had this on VH, recorded this on VHS, and yeah. uh, I have vague memories of that. Um, and then. It wasn't until kind of more recent years, uh, sort of seven years ago, that it really became something that's very serious um, and replaced previous hobbies that I can't physically do anymore um, and became my number one passion. And then, um, what would it be, maybe it's four years ago now, became a full-time business. Um, So it's something when I got back into it was very good because it all became about you know, finding my voice. I didn't have to worry about the technicalities of photography, yes. uh, which was good. I could completely skip that step because I already I was already comfortable with using a camera. Um, so it was just about it was just about nature. I just happened to have a camera in my hand. You know, going out into nature locally because that's what I was restricted to at the time. Um, that's what I focused all my energy into, and I just happened to have a camera with me. Um, and I think. Things progressed quite quickly, and I think they progressed quite quickly because of that, because I didn't have to worry about the tool. It was just about what was in front of me. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, yeah, quite a journey, I think, you've been on, and your, your book, which I think is six years' worth of work, really mm. kind of brings it all beautifully together. I've, I've followed your work for a number of many, many years now, um, and it's, it's really it's absolutely fantastic, and I must say I really, really like the book. To see, it, to see it all brought uh, brought to real life. And so yeah. many of your images really do trans just transport you, particularly when you see them on paper. It really just takes you and 
you feel as though you're in those locations. Um, so I, I commend you on what's a fantastic body of work and, and, oh, thank you. and a beautifully produced book as well, uh, because you can have a great body of work, but it, it still takes attention to detail and the time and effort to, to bring it to, to bring it to life. Hmm. I'm interested to know what, what was your, your kind of approach and ideas behind the book when it first, when you first thought, right, okay, I'm going to do a book. What, what was the story and the, or the message and the narrative that you were trying to get across? Um, it's the journey that I've been on through photography and since discovering woodland photography, it's, it was so, it felt so profound because, you know, I, as I've talked about many times before, and you've, you've probably heard about it yourself, um, how it affected me on a personal level in both, um, sort of mental health and physical health was very significant. Um, and it was that, that kind of connection that evolved from that um, and my appreciation yes for photography and, and what it's given me since um, but my appreciation for the locations what I was photographing that connection with both subjects and place um, it was so personally uh, profound that that kind of personal story had to be wrapped up in the yeah. book um, and it, <laughs> it kind of feels it feels very when when you, when I started writing it, I was like, God, is this like really too self indulgent? And I had these conversations <laughs> with uh, friends, and they're like, "You're writing a book. How much more self indulgent can it be? Of course, it's self indulgent." He said, "Just don't worry about it because this, this is the thing about your photography is that it is it is about you. You know, you, you, the story is wrapped up in every single uh, photograph. And I think people, well, this is what other people have said to me: that people want to kind of learn about that, see that in the images and just get some little insights into, you know, how those, how those sort of came to be or how, you know, who I am as a person or, you know, how I, how I see the world. Cause I've, I've always been the thing. I've, I'm not interested in the technical aspects of photography. Um, I'm almost an autopilot as far as the technical process is concerned when I'm making yeah. images. Uh, what fascinates me is how people think, you know, why are they out there? What drives them? Um, you know, what makes them see a composition in that way? That's the stuff that's fascinated me. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's all been, I knew it had to be very personal. I knew it had to be about my story, not just because I want to dwell, you know, I don't want to dwell on that, but I felt as if it had to be about that kind of personal story because that's how the images came to be. You know, without that, <laughs> without that injury, without the story of Meg, the book wouldn't exist. So that's, you know, that other book had to be about that. And I feel as if now that that's down on paper, now it's being curated into this, you know, collection of images. I feel as if, ah, oh, it's like a sigh of relief. It's like, yeah. <laughs> there's a chapter of my book that started in such a, a dark place and unhappiness. Um, but Woodland has brought me so much joy. Being a dog owner has brought me so much joy. Yes. Um, it had to be kind of, you know, curated together, presented in that way so that people can, you know, I, I want people to kind of follow that journey and then see that, yes, there was lots of negative aspects in the beginning, but it's turned into something extremely positive. And that's what photography does, yeah. you know, and I want, when you, when you've, when you've found something as magical as that, when you think, think it's a sort of, sort of, this sort of secret magical ingredient, of course you want to share it because you want other people to benefit from that as well. So I'm hoping that yes, it be perceived as self-indulgent, but I'm hoping that some people that will resonate with people and they can get out there 
experience the joy of woodland and just how profoundly beneficial it can be. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk a lot about getting across your emotional perspective of it because your photographs do evoke some incredible emotion and atmosphere to them and i think actually the words are very important because it, it does it gives people just the additional understanding of what the journey was and what what you were going through at, at over the course of the over the course of the last six years and how certain events changed and redirected things such as obviously when uh, when meg came on the scene mm. that, kind of, that kind of propelled you forward again in in, in certain ways so um, I, th I think the combination of the text, the small short essays as well, really adds to to, to the story, and it, it helps the it helps the the the, the viewer uh, have a have a greater understanding of, of the the whole body of work and, and what it means to you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it, well, it's the experience of photography um, that that I that's always what I've tried to portray. In the photographs and it kind of the way that evolved as well was uh, a strange one because i've had lots of people comment on videos saying oh you're what, it's so boring your your photographs are always at eye level you know why don't you get down low and try different things and so well actually when i started this i had a fear about bending over because because i was always so conscious of protecting my back i was always upright so every photograph was at eye level and that's just something that stuck I mean, yes, not every single one is now at eye level, but it's always been about, well, I'm stood here. What in, what's in front of me is just wonderful, beautiful. Um, I'm going to take a photograph of that, you know, and as soon as I've kind of recognized what it is about that scene that makes it so magical, then I compose to try and, you know, play to that, play to that strength. So it's always been about capturing experience. You know, I carry very little gear. You know, usually single camera, single lens, 24, 70 mil. And that focal length, that, that range that I tend to be at is fairly representative of what we see with our own eyes. So I think, yes. again, you know, that wasn't intentional to start with, but that's how it evolved into, you know, capturing something where the viewer feels as if they can just step into that photograph or if they were there in person, that's how it would look. And that's, that's what I wanted. I wasn't yeah. trying to do anything particularly, you know, artistic or, you know, <clears throat> different. Yeah. It was just a case of, this is what I love. Look at it. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, you can come and see this too, and it will look very similar to this. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned very much about how it just transforms the viewer or it's what they would see. And I was this. I always like to discuss the books for people who I'm, I'm speaking to with my wife beforehand, just to, to get a different perspective. And it's interesting to see what, what someone else sees it and that that was one of the things she that was one thing she commented on was the fact that i just feel as though i'm right in that woodland i just oh, feel as, I, I just feel as though i'm right there and i can imagine it's just like the richness of 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 the of the scene the riches of the colors as well um, yeah. so it, it's very interesting to see how how just different people see different things um, just as how everyone composes or sees different things in different images it's it's wonderful that the same feeling can be felt by different people looking at the same images, which I think is just testament to the quality of the work. But uh, that it, it does it does have that effect on people, and that 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 view comes across. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's wonderful to hear the fact that you know non photographer is is seeing that, and it's it's the same as the contribution, the essay in there by Lucy Jones. Yes, it was wonderful to read that. Um, 
you know, is she was incredibly generous with what she said, but the fact that she picked up on some of these things, yeah. um, you know, and some of those things that were intentional in the photographs, and she picked up on that, and that that that's fantastic because the thing that I've always tried to to do is make sure that every single aspect of what I see in the scene has a part to play. You know, yeah. yes, yes, there's a wonderful tree, but you know, let's let's look at this tree in its context. And, you know, every bit of moss, every rock, every frond of uh, bracken, every just hint of something all as a part to play. And I think that, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I have an attention to detail, but some of those details are so subtle that they're easily missed, but they do have a part to play. And I think that's, that's the beauty of composition as well. You know, composition is so incredibly complex um, and you, you know, you can simplify things down, but I love that complexity because yeah. that's what woodland and nature is. It, it's complex. And I don't shy away from that. I actually embrace that. I like to capture it and I like to kind of work with it in a way that makes the image cohesive yeah. so that somebody looking at it might not notice what has made that composition work, but they enjoy it. They yes. enjoy the aesthetic of it. You know, visually it's pleasing to them. They might not notice some of the tiny little things and adjustments <laughs> I've made. Yep. It's just some of those tiny parts that makes the difference, I think. Yeah, and I think it also really comes across your love for returning to the same locations and, and getting a real connection. As I think, as you mentioned at the end, it's, it's not just the moments, it's actually being part of nature, being in nature, but also the connection and the relationship you have with these locations and woodlands that you're maybe returning to many, many times, which I think helps build your understanding of, of, of what works. Yeah, the it's what actually made um, putting the book together so incredibly difficult and emotionally draining, to be honest, which I think is probably what I said in a Instagram story today. Yep. Um, because because of the emotion that's been wrapped up in the work, and not it's not emotion necessarily uh, wrapped up in. Well, there is emotion wrapped up in the photograph, but what, what I mean is is that it's it's how I perceive uh, locations because I don't step into a location and think like I have a photographic goal today. This is what I need to achieve in order to feed the beast of social media. I walk in and think, ah, oh, I'm so glad to be here. You know what? You're you know, and this place, different places mean different things, and I think that's what's important is to connect to that place and just decide what it means to you, and see if you can communicate that through through the photography. So that's kind of tuning into the the character of the woodland, the individual trees, just the general feeling that you get from it. Um, but because I feel it's so absolutely and truly obligated to do these places justice because because they've affected me on a personal level yep. I feel that pressure sometimes so sometimes it's a case of just going and enjoying that space but when I want to get serious about the photography then it's like I need to do a good job of this because you know it's it's that kind of streak of perfectionism mm -hmm. as well um, and it's having it's combining that emotion with perfectionism plus a feeling of obligation, which makes it, you know, uh, it can really cause some turmoil sometimes. So when you wrap all that up into something that you're trying to present as, this is this is my work, this is my life for the past six years, it's just, it because you agonize over the smallest of things and you, you, you almost make yourself ill 
Um, but the, which is why I, I, I took, spoke about on Instagram today, why I took a break yeah. once it was done and it was shipped to most orders. I was like, I need to distance myself from it for a bit because um, I knew I was getting stressed, too yeah. stressed. So I stepped away. I had a break from it because I need, I didn't want to, I needed to kind of just recharge, re-energize, disconnect myself from the emotion of it and then go back to the book feeling refreshed, being able to look at it more balanced and objective. Yeah. And that's, that's when I really enjoyed it and thought, oh, thank, you know, thankfully, you know, it, it is, it is, it is representative. It is what I wanted. Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah. That, that's it. When, in, when you're in the process of, of pulling it all together, you're so engrossed in everything and every small detail and it just becomes, it becomes everything that goes on. So actually, yeah, you do need to, you do need the opportunity to just step back and, and kind of, as you say, come back to with a fresh pair of eyes after a, a good long break to, to yeah. properly see the wood from the trees, excuse the pun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, it's, it's for, for me also, your, your work really, there, there feels as though there's real characters and within the trees. And one of my first immediate thoughts um, when I was looking through the works is it immediately reminded me of the, the Ents in Lord of the Rings, which actually is then sub- something you subsequently mentioned either towards the end or one of the latter chap, one of the latter bits of text. I think there's, yeah. there's bits, but it is, it's, it's the, the trees really, and, and the, the shapes and the forms really represent characters that, Bring for me, bring the the woodlands to life, and um, I, I must say I'm quite impressed the fact that you've managed to give uh, give individual titles to each and every one of your your images, <laughs> uh, because I can only imagine that must have been a fairly fairly tricky task. And just interested to understand a bit about about your approach, that and how how do you treat the do you treat them as I suppose as 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 characters within within the scenario that you're that you're setting up that you're looking to capture. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, the thing that I love about this uh, sort of anthropomorphizing trees, um, or you know, using metaphors, is um, it it reverts you to this kind of childlike state of imagination, and that does it. Kind of it adds to that sense of escapism as well, because I find it very nostalgic. Because it takes because I grew up playing in nature. I grew up playing in woods. You know, making dens, just being a kid and being an idiot. Um, so it kind of reverts me back to that. And you know, I, I I'm not afraid to admit it. I'll watch animated kids' films with you know <laughs> various characters, which sometimes uh, inspire me. Um, but yeah, films like Lord of the Rings, um, Avatar, um, yep. you know, Harry Potter, things like that are always a source of um inspiration. But it's just fun. It's fun. And what I like is that as soon as you've got that scenario, because it's never it's, it's rarely a retrospective thing. And, you know, typically my titles aren't, you know, I don't look at the image and think, all right, so what can, what can I call this, you know, at this point, you know, months after I've made the image, it's always tight. I either think of the title there and then, or I recall the experience and my thought process and my intent when I made the image to then think of the title. So sometimes it's obvious, you know, such as Krampus, you know, that, that one just like came to me instantly. Uh, the dysfunctional family that came to me while I was photographing the scene. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's more, it, it, draw, it, it, it comes back to that connection. Yes. That yep. Genuine connection with what you're photographing. And the more that you can be aware of these different scenarios in the field, 
the more that it really has a positive influence and informs your thought process when you're actually composing an image. Because it's very difficult if, if you try to just think, okay, well, I'm going to go through a practical process of positioning form in the frame. Yeah. And then you take it back afterwards and retrospectively try to add uh, a narrative, a metaphor, a title, and it becomes quite tricky. And it kind of does feel as if it's shoehorned into it. Yeah. Um, whereas if you are in the field and you see something as a mythical beast, that is absolutely definitely going to influence how you capture that scene. Definitely. Not only that particular tree, but how it sits and its relationship with everything else that surrounds it. Because yeah. if you don't think of that in the field, then it, it's it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't you can't change your mind. You can't uh, retrospectively do much with it. Whereas, yeah, I, as you say, when when you begin to see maybe the shapes and how and how they represent um, other other things that are, are going on in your mind when you're doing it out in the field, you've got the opportunity to yeah to really capture it. As it, as it should be in situ um, yeah. but yeah and it's also it was also I think the, there was one chapter where I think you or one one section where you'd really captured I think seven or eight shots all within a, a 90, 90 minute oh, yeah. spell yeah. and it, 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 it's, it's really quite nice to see that's something that you maybe don't is maybe not quite prevalent in, in many books whereas actually it just demonstrates that one morning when it happened three years ago or four years ago, it, it, it I suppose it kind of sends a message where you, you've actually got to take the opportunity and, and make the most of opportunities that present themselves because you never know when such opportunities are going to going to reoccur as well. Yeah, I mean that that is an absolute prime example of time investment yep. in you know building an intimate knowledge of your local area. Yeah. Because without that knowledge, without having invested the time in the days where conditions weren't very good, where you were able to kind of work on compositions, but not really kind of capture the magic, yeah. you know, all that time invested, then it just pays dividends. Yeah. Because I turned up when the conditions, is the first time I've seen such magical conditions and the last in that <laughs> location. Um, so that's that, you know the business side of me would have been like, right, I need to create a video. I need to fly the drone and capture all this magic and then, you know, talk about it on YouTube. But I knew that if I did that, I maybe would have got two photographs. Whereas my, my knowledge of that particular location, I just thought, right, I just quickly in my head, you know, into the kind of uh, things that I just locked away in the, in the back somewhere. <laughs> you just remember particular trees. I have a sort of fairly good tree memory. Yep. Um, not as good as it used to be. I think I'm trying to remember too much now. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was thinking, right, I remember those birch trees. I remember those oak trees. And you're just kind of running around, um, you know, not like a not like a headless chicken. You know, you, you kind of, you're still trying to be deliberate, contemplative, reactive to the conditions. But you've got a general idea of what you want to achieve based on your knowledge of that particular place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just went around 90 minutes. That's as long as the good conditions lasted and nailed a, nailed a few images. So that's, yeah, I was chuffed with that. But that, that's happened a few times. There's a few more images actually in the last chapter called Observers of Time. And there's a few in there all captured in a very short space of time in the same morning. Just very familiar subjects, compositions that I've scouted. Um, and that's where that knowledge comes into play. And not just in terms of getting to know the woodland and particular trees, 
but also having experienced that a particular scene in across a number of years, different seasons, different conditions, you can predict how something's going to look. Yeah. So you can go on a pretty bland box standard day, look at a scene and say, right, I know that if I come back at this time of year under these conditions, it is going to work. Yeah. Um, but it's it's playing the long game. And so the kind of idea of, you know, waiting two years, maybe longer for such conditions feels a bit alien, but it's not wasted time. It's, it's always it's always fun time. Yeah, as you say, I think I think many people are probably used to waiting several years, but it, it is it's putting the time and effort into to scouting locations and and to understanding the locations. That's the you, you have to. I think you've got to accept that there'll be many times you go out and you don't come back with a shot, and but those journeys should never be wasted. It should always be just improving your knowledge of a particular location, revisiting an, an old location, and as you yeah. say, you you build up that kind of like the data bank of Right, you know, you know when you're going to get conditions, where where is going to work, and, and where is where are the opportunities that you want to fulfil for for yourself as well, and for your own your own wider portfolio that you you know that um, this location I've I've not seen it in these conditions, so I'm going to I'm going to make the commitment and go there, um, and these things pay off. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I, I also think. That well, what certainly benefited me as well was ridding myself of frustration and expectation. Yeah. Because if you're going out hoping for particular, com- well, there's nothing wrong in hoping for particular yeah. conditions, <laughs> but if you look at the forecast and you start to expect particular conditions, um, and then you feel disappointed when you arrive and it just hasn't happened, then that that's crippling. Yeah. Um, because I, I've fallen victim to that in the past. The best thing I did was to rid myself of that. Um, and just find value in every single trip yeah. um, because there's there's always something to be learned. There's always new areas to to scout. Um, and But there's also the number of occasions where I've turned up a location, you know, hoping for particular conditions. It doesn't appear to be there, but I thought, oh, well, I'll go for a wander anywhere, walk Meg, have a scout. And I've walked into the woods and it's just been magical <laughs> from the outside. It looked like nothing. And then I've gone in and it's just been this amazing mist trapped under the canopy and it's been phenomenal. Um, so those kind of unexpected moments are pretty, pretty special too. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, I have to say living up in a central uh, center of Glasgow, the one thing that we do lack relative to relative is mist uh, down south. You just seem to get mist on tap. It's as though there's a wee on off switch or something <laughs> like that. Um, and you just, you know, some weeks when the mist is just prevalent everywhere, you're going to be looking jealously on as everyone's out shooting, photographing in beautiful conditions, and there's not a drop to be seen in Scotland. But you, okay. you, learn, you learn to go over these things and put your put your frustration to one side. But obviously, when when it came to came to start thinking about the book, obviously you must have uh, quite a, quite a body of work to have to distill that down how, how did you how did you kind of start the approach of breaking it down because you've kind of broken it down into a number of sections as well yeah that the first thing was to really create um, a long list yep. um, of, of images that I would like to be included <laughs> um, so I think when I started to do that I ended up with I don't know somewhere between 150 and yep. 200 images which I felt was was too many yes um, so once, once I had that, I thought, well, how, how do these fit together? Because obviously sequencing is, is a really important part of books, you know, making sure that one play, page flows from 
one to another, that there's some sort of journey through the chapters as well, rather than just being completely standalone. Yes. Um, and that's when things really started to get a bit tricky. Um, and you realize that actually you've got some images which you love, yeah. but they just can't go in because yep. it's just, they just don't fit. So there is one or two standalone images in this particular book, but I've found a way to fit them in because there's just like what, there's one in particular that just had to go in. It just wouldn't have made, made sense for it not to go in, but it's such a standalone image that I actually treated it as its own chapter, yep. uh, which is the very last uh, image in the book. Yeah. Um, so the and then so I ended up kind of printing out lots of little thumbnails, arranging things, and then people would or speaking to people and said, "Well, surely you know if it's woodland, then you have to you know separate into seasons." I said, "No, it just that, that sort of seems like the obvious way forward." I said, "But it just doesn't make sense to me because the, the fantastic thing about woodland is it changes with the seasons, so there's this constant shift of color and form." But there's those transition periods where you're photographing in summer, but it kind of looks a bit like autumn. Yes. Yeah. Or you've got lingering patches of autumn in, in winter. Yep. Where do those transition periods sit? Yeah. Um, and also, if, if I split it into seasons, then that restricts me in terms of narrative. And the thing that I really started to think about was I need freedom with narrative. Yep. Um, it, you know, that's why the titles are a little bit loose. So that I can be loose with with the you know how I talk about it. Yeah. So the the actual, I think there's nine chapters, something like that. So um, I, I started by thinking, right, what do I want to say? Then looking at the images alongside that, and then seeing how you know I could fit the narrative with each one. So it kind of jumps from one season to another. You're in, you know you're in winter, then you're in spring, then you're in you know winter again, then you're in yeah. autumn. It's kind of all over the place, but. That's to that's more to be respectful to the locations and the and the different species. Yes. So you tend to find that there's a species theme in each chapter, and um, because that's relevant to um, the narrative, and you know, talking about pines in winter, for example. Yeah. So um, and then and, and then the other tricky thing was that because I felt as if it needed to you know, my own personal story had to be part of the narrative. Then I think well, then I thought well, surely it has to be then be chronological. But then that didn't make sense either because I was speaking to um, a photographer that I'm sure you've heard of, Colin Bell. Very, yes, very good. Yes. Was a source of inspiration uh, for me and and offered some advice in terms of creating a book. And he said, he said, he said, make sure that you start with a set of strong photographs. It's because people will make a very quick judgment of the book overall based on the first few pages. Yeah. I thought that's good advice. And if I'm starting this chronologically, then that's probably start off with the weakest images <laughs> yeah so um i started i started to think about that and that's when i started to shift things around um and found a way where the narrative can be slightly chronological but it didn't really matter which images sat with that so long yeah. as the message was you know successfully portrayed yeah yeah i i, I think the sequencing of certainly the way the images have been grouped and sequenced i think works really well i i, I particularly like the themes amongst the species i think that works particularly well um, and as you say working working your way through seasons it I, I think you because you're not approaching it in terms of going through the four seasons as overall i think that gives you a lot of artistic license to really move around between the seasons and and more flexibility but overall i think i think that for me, the sequencing works really well. I love the, 
the species. I love also the the tonals that you've kept together in terms of the the summer the summer shots as well. Beautiful greens that come through, and I yeah. think that all works all all really flows nicely as well with the with with the yeah the, the standalone standalone beautiful uh, pines as well, which are just yeah. uh, just just beautiful and. Um, I, I can only imagine it must have been a, a challenge to try and select your favourite uh, lone trees, so to speak, to to put in. Because I, as you say, you sometimes have your favourites, but they don't always fit into the sequence. Um, and and it, and it's it's known and understanding and being brave enough to to admit that and uh, to build yeah. in them because it's 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 never an easy job to say goodbye to your to your favourite shots. No, that 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 was tricky, but you know it had to be done for the. Yeah. For the sake of the book but I think what's I think what's nice is that if you're very clear about why you're doing photography you're very clear about what you want to achieve and you know what you want to communicate to the world yeah. then location almost sort of seemed to it just doesn't matter yeah because your approach is you know if, if you've got a sort of style that's evolved um, but your general thought of you know and how you've connected to to the world and you know what you see in nature it doesn't matter whether i'm photographing trees in scotland or whether i'm out in my local woods in a tiny little spot where nobody goes yeah. the general feel of the image is still the same which i think that's what really helped in the sequence in the fact that i could take some photographs of pine trees out in the north yorkshire moors um, and then combine that with pine trees up on the mountainside in Scotland. Yeah. And they still fit and they still sequence. Yeah. And that's more to do with your just general approach to photography, I think, and being, you know, respectful and mindful of that. Yeah, absolutely. So one, once you, I know you, you did a lot of the, the design yourself and, and you, you, you did it all self-published. How, how did you find that experience doing, uh, approaching this as your first book? Challenging, rewarding? bit of both all at the same time and and did you collaborate with other people to to really just to take advantage of other people's expertise and knowledge yeah it's um i actually found the the, the overall design um pretty straightforward yeah um i think because i used to be a website developer and sort of slash design and the kind of yep. feeling for um space and you know color and balance um you know that all helped Mm-hmm. And so I spoke to a designer friend and because I had no clue how to use Adobe InDesign. So they kind of helped just sort of set me up with a template. And then, you know, I got to know InDesign fairly well, the very basics of what I needed to know. Yes. Uh, but he just sort of set up a few pages just to kind of, you know, get me going. Um, and then I did a few pages, sent it back and he said, uh, so what do you think? And he said, oh, no, you can't have the image like that. And this line doesn't match with that line. You need to crop this. And I was like, did you just say crop my image? <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it's going to flow better in terms of design. I don't care about design. You're not copying my image. <laughs> um, so we, we had a bit of an argument between, you know, what you're allowed to do with photographs. And what, and what, yeah, and what you're not. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but then then I think I piecing together the actual, you know, see, once I knew the sequences of images and I put them into InDesign pages, that's when I got excited because I thought, I've never seen my work presented in this way before. Yeah. And I already feel really excited by this. Just seeing them laid out, and it was just dummy text. It was just yeah. filler text that I put yeah. in. I just started to actually just play around with dropping in titles, and it just felt great. And that's when I was excited. When it all started to get stressful and difficult is when I started to write. because, yeah. And I, d- I didn't 
Not at first. I, I, would, I found the whole process quite cathartic. I was sat there and sometimes, I think when, when you, you are so emotionally wrapped up in what you've, what you do, then when you're given an opportunity to talk about it, it just spills out. So I sat there, Microsoft Word, and I was just like, bang, 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 bang. And then before you know it, you've, you've written pages. I mean, a lot of it is absolute dross. <laughs> it felt good just, <laughs> just for it to, yeah, just for it to come out was, was really good. Um, but just the fact that it's then down on paper, so to speak, um, that inspires new ideas. Yeah. Um, and things that you you know inspires direction on you know where you want to go with with the narrative, um, but then Joe Cornish wrote the fantastic forward for the book. Indeed, yeah, really, really good. Then I had the the, the contribution from Lucy Jones, and that's when I panicked because I looked I looked at their writing experience writer. Bear in mind, I've never written you know apart from you know little blog posts and things like that. I thought I, I need to I need to get better. So, yeah, so that I, I, I kind of felt as if the, <laughs> the most important bit, which is the photographs, were kind of pushed aside. And I thought I need, the writing needs to get better. So I just tried to kind of tidy it up and, you know, improve things and just, you know, not waffle too much. Um, but I found I did find that a bit, a bit stressful. Um, and then going through and trying to find typos and getting other people. And I was getting anxious and, you know, trying to ensure that people that were giving feedback were being honest and not just yes. polite. Yeah. That, that was tricky as well. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully when it comes to the photography point of view, when I ask people like Joe Cornish or I ask Colin Bell, um, I like to think because I know them well, I get honest Correct. feedback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the writing was difficult because, because it is so personal. I think people sort of feel as if, Oh, I don't, mm, you know, yeah. I don't, that's it. <laughs> uh, but Joe, Joe there's some bits that Joe wasn't keen on at first, but then he kept rereading it and he came back to me and said, actually, this is you. This is 100% you. And I thought, well, I can't ask. There's no point in me trying to pretend I can write like Joe. This has, this has to be read. You know, I want people to read it and think, oh, yeah, that, you know, that sounds like the guy that I watch on YouTube. Because, because if the writing does not sound like you, then it will not marry up to the to the pictures and to and to the, the connection that comes across so uh, absolutely yeah. it, it it does and yeah I, I can i can imagine the writing must have been some of a nervous or a challenging period because as you say it's, it's maybe easier to get uh, natural feedback to your photographs because you as you say you can ask some trusted friends as i'm sure we all can and they'll give you some genuine feedback and you kind of have a bit of a thick skin about it. You know, not everyone likes everyone's images and some people like other images better than others. But I suppose when it comes to the text, when it's a particularly personal thing, as you say, people don't necessarily want to tread on toes. Yeah. Um, and yet it's finding someone who will give you the honest feedback as opposed to your mum who just says, yeah, that looks great, well done. Cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's, that's no use, that feedback there, but uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's all it's all a process, and obviously, once you had all that together, the next stage was to to get the thing printed off. And how did you go about selecting, obviously, the size of the book and all your paper choices? How did you find that experience? Because they all add to the tactile element and tactile experience of the book, which which yeah, that that's when it point. turned. That's when everything became very very real. Yeah, you know, before then it was just like this. It felt like a bit of a you know, a, a pipe dream. Um, and as it kind of pieced together, I thought, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting this printed now. But then when that actually started to happen, <sighs> honestly, uh, it's the most stressed I've been for a long time. 
Yeah, it, it really was because <laughs> I, I think that also because I've been self-employed for so long, um, you know, pretty much my whole working life. It means I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, um, but you're used to being in control. Yeah. So handing over control of that, that final stage, which is just as important as every other stage that preceded it, uh, was hard. And I think what made it more hard and why I got so anxious about it is because I didn't understand it. Yes. I'm used to printing at home with 12, you know, 12 ink cartridges. I know what to expect. I know it's going to match what I see on my screen. Whereas this is like, what's, what's CMYK? You know, what, you know, how do you print it? You know, what's this just nuts machine that they print it on at just an incredible rate. And I, don't, I was a bit naive with, with that stage, to be honest. So I, got, I did get some guidance. Um, I basically, you know, I looked at Colin Bell's book and I was like, yeah, I like that format. That sits with the images. I'm going to go for that format. Yeah. Spoke to the printers and then they helped me select uh, the, the paper. Yeah. Um, and then the actual press day when it got printed was, <sighs> that, that was how, because I think if I was to do this whole thing again, um, I would spend, you know, a lot more time looking into the pitfalls of CMYK. Yep. Um, looking and no, you know, it wasn't until afterwards that I knew that orange is challenging. I knew that green would be an issue, yep. um, but I was completely ignorant to just the whole mixing process of inks and how the whole thing works. Uh, and that that was tricky. So I'm, I was only there kind of for the first part of the press day. And then you, you're looking at what comes off the press under lights that you're not used to and you're kind of wrapped up in the moment and you feel pressure and you've got nothing con to compare it to and you think, yeah, I think that looks right. Um, so yeah, I, I found that tricky. So then that stage between me walking away and leaving it with them and actually receiving the first book, I was like, oh, you know, yeah. just why is it going to turn out? Like I just need to have it in my hands. And when I got it in my hands... At first, I was like, wow, this is mine. You know, look at this. Um, it looks good. It feels good. It has the kind of feeling that I wanted from it. You know, where it just, it could sit on everybody's coffee table and, and yep. you know, blend in. Um, but then I started to organize over tiny things. So I was looking, I was like, oh, that color is different to what I wanted. And I look at another one, like, that's slightly different. And, um, and it got me down. I actually yeah. really started to get down about it. And then I would show somebody else and they're like, you're nuts. Like, what are you talking about? They said, that looks absolutely great. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, that needs a bit more magenta or that one's, you know, a bit to this or that one's a bit too blue. And they're like, and then some some people I showed it to and they're like, well, I prefer that to the one that you th th think it should look like. Yeah. <laughs> so. But so I, I was agonizing over the ridiculous things which nobody else is going to notice, or in some cases, people would prefer anywhere. Yeah. So, uh, I, but that, so that's why I needed to step away. I just sort of thought, you know, this is this is you now. This is your issue. You know, you're you know agonizing over the ridiculous things. So it's time to chill out, enjoy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> then go back to it um you know when everything's when they sort of just settled and yeah. uh you know, i'm glad i did and like i said i looked through it this morning and you know really you know very proud of it now and kind of kicking myself for you know all yeah. the undue stress well that's it but at the same time when you're going through it for the first process as you say we're all used to printing work at home when we know exactly 
how our computer and our printer are all set up. We know what lighting conditions we're looking at. We know exactly what papers we're using. Therefore, we've got total control over the process. We might not produce great photographs, but we've got total control over the process. Whereas yeah. when you're handing it off to someone else in a process that you don't know what's going on, yeah, you, there's there's the OCD of, of all of us that kicks in that you think, oh, yeah, that green's only fractionally different, whereas to 99.99 or everyone else, they'll be none the wiser as to whether that green is a touch different or a touch wrong. But it's the emotional connections, the emotional involvement that we've got in the process that we're just yeah. always pushing to seek the very, very best in, in, in what we do. And, and at the end of the day, it's you want the very best for what you're sending out to the world because this is you basically saying here i am this this is exactly me, yeah. this, this is what i've done and therefore you notice the wee things that you wish were slightly different not better or worse you but, but you're aware of these things and um, yeah but yeah it's and as you say time away has probably been uh, probably been a great thing because you come back at it with kind of a, a nice breather a bit of time in between and and you can reflect yeah on, on the uh, whole yeah. process yeah, and you know, and in that time, you know, I've had a huge amount of feedback from people. You know, people share it on Instagram stories and things like that, and it's it's been overwhelmingly positive, and that's that's wonderful. You know, to to, to kind of know that something so personal to me has resonated with with others. It, you know, it makes it very extremely rewarding, fulfilling, enriching, um, but also that. You know, it, my motivations for, for starting woodland photography were entirely personal. I had no commercial goals. I'd never yeah. thought in a million years I'd become a, a full-time woodland photographer. Never in a million years did I think I would be doing an exhibition with Joe Cornish. It's just absolutely, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, so to, to know that, that my own journey has then sort of resonated with others and they're getting something out of it as well, uh, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So my own little extremely trivial issues just need to be <laughs> ignored because it, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, and yeah, I'm feeling entirely positive um, yeah. about it now. Yeah. I, as you should and, and you, should, you should feel incredibly proud of it because it's a fantastic book and fantastic body of work. And has it, has it given you a, a, a bit of a, an interest in maybe doing future books, be it that same size or smaller books for specific projects or whatever. Is it something you would go down the path again, obviously with your eyes maybe a bit open to certain aspects of the process? Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, as soon as it was done, I started to think about my next one. Yep. Not, not in like, oh, I want to get another one out as quick as I can. Absolutely, absolutely not that. But like I said, I think, the, I think what's so nice is that it is the, it does mark the end of a chapter. It is that thing of like, because I've, I've done various interviews over time. And so you get to the point where you're, you feel a bit paranoid that you're repeating the same thing. You know, you're talking about, oh, this is tale of war again. He's talking about his bad back and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and you feel as if you're, you know, you, you do feel as if you're being repetitive. So now I just think, what's, what's the next thing? What's the next challenge? You know, what will the next book be? How, you know, how can I take a step forward and do something equally meaningful, yep. um, but completely different? Still trees, obviously, still still woodland. Yes. But, you know, how can the narrative change to offer something entirely different? So I'm already thinking about that. Um, I, I kind of know what my next two books will be, um, which is, but that's like 
I don't know, it's going to be at least seven years, I would think, to do, you know, two books. <laughs> I mean, I, I, know I have this long-term view just with taking individual images. So clearly that's spilled over into um, a long-term view with books as well. Yeah. But I've, I have absolutely zero ambitions of reducing, uh, producing a book every year or every two years. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not, because there's, there's six years of work in that one. Um, but I think now you know, maybe it's going to be three or four years until until the next book, I would say. Yeah, very good. Excellent. And uh, yeah, obviously my podcast or the podcast is all about books. Um, so um, I'm always really interested to know what, uh, as are the listeners, what books or photo books are some of your favourites from your own collection. Um, because I think it's always quite interesting when you speak to people or when I speak to people, a lot of the books don't necessarily relate to the sorts of photography that they shoot themselves. Um, hmm. or it might be a book that relates to them when they were a youngster and they were getting into photography. Certainly Paul Wakefield, there was a number of books that he suggested, which were the ones he used when he was at school to basically hmm. try and teach himself composition and things like that. So it's really quite interesting. So I'm in, uh, interested to hear your own personal approach to, to photo books in general and uh, and what you like okay well I, I i kind of feel slightly embarrassed because <laughs> you're hoping people will buy your book um but at the same time i don't really own many books myself so what, what i tend to do because i i genuinely draw my inspiration from nature yep. that's it's kind of, it is it sounds corny but it, it is all the inspiration that i need um however there are a number of books which are bought and i generally buy books to kind of support artists who are you know friends yeah absolutely Um, i value them as friends i value them as people and photographers um so i tend i tend to buy those but at the same time my biggest source of inspiration is i I can't i'm quite precious about um ensuring that i'm not copying if, if that makes sense or, or well, inadvertently, you know, or, you know, it's not, it's good to be influenced, yes. but I don't want to be subconsciously influenced in a way that kind of muddies the waters in, in terms of, you know, well, having my own voice. Yes. Um, and, and it's for that reason where I get most inspiration from actually talking to people, you know, conversations with yep. people like Colin and people like Joe Cornish and just the words that people use. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, books that I, that I have, which I'm sure you've other, you know, guests have already mentioned, um, is uh, Healing, Colin Bell. Yes, very popular. Um, the one, is it called The Landscape by Paul Wakefield? The Landscape, Paul Wakefield, yeah. Yeah, um, I have Rachel Talibat, Tides and Tempests. Tempests. Yeah. Um, ben Horns, Between the Winds. Yep. Um, is intimate by Handstrand. Yes, lovely book as well. Yeah. Um, however, the things that have influenced me far more in my own work are non-photography books. Cool. Okay. Brilliant. So the one that I bought back in 2016, which had a big impact, was The Hidden Life of Trees by uh, Peter. I'm going to completely destroy his surname here. <laughs> Peter Wallenburn. What? What? Yeah, W-O-H-L-L-E-B-E-N, uh, The Hidden Life of Trees. Ooh, interesting. Fascinating stuff. I don't, I don't know how scientifically accurate it is. I know there's a lot of scientific research has gone into this since, but it, it talks about the kind of uh, fungal network 
beneath right. ground by which trees communicate. It's something that's you know talked about a lot more. There's a documentary on uh, Netflix um, called Fantastic Fungi, uh, which talked about this as well. Right. Uh, my, mycelium, I mentioned mycelium in the book. Um, and that, in terms of these, you know, these theories about how trees communicate, that's what I've used as a source of influence in terms of how I compose images above ground. You know, thinking about networks, thinking about community, thinking about yep. relationships and how trees communicate, that has been a big source of influence. I, I, I is, is, is it the illustrated edition you've got or the... No, that, no, that's one that's come out since, I think. No, this right. this had for years. Um, so it's, yeah, before very then. Sounds, hard very, back. sounds very interesting. Yeah, d- d- yeah, really, really good. So, so I recommended it to Joe. I think he's read it since. Okay. Um, found it very good. Um, also, um, I'm going to recommend my friend's book called uh, The Meaning in the Making by Sean Tucker. Yeah. Um, now... I have to admit, I'm terrible at making the time to read books. Um, it's something that I want to change. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I am trying hard. So uh, Sean was around here the other night and he said, well, I'll send you my audio book. And I was like, yes, please. So I've had, I've had a, a copy of his book for ages and he sent me his audio book and I'm like halfway through it now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like halfway through it in two days. Yes. Um, and it, it's fantastic. It really is. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, stuff that we kind of know, but we need to be reminded of. But the way, the way in which he explains it is eloquent. It has depth. It has meaning, but also draws on a lot of history as well in terms yep. of um, creativity. So it's, 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 it's inspirational um, cool. in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, so that's definitely worth looking at because it's not genre specific. Yes, um, you know, if you're into creativity and just making things, then it's it's Sounds worthwhile having a, having a look at that. Yeah. Sounds very good. Uh, but the, the the other types of books that I'm getting into are just basically ones that teach me about the things I'm photographing. Yeah. I don't want to learn about how other people photograph it. Um, you know, I, I appreciate how other people photograph it. I just don't want to that to influence me. I want yep. to learn about trees. I want to learn about ecosystems those things that kind of deeper level of knowledge does have an impact um and the enviewer might not see that influence but the fact is it makes the practice of photography more enriching actually yeah. knowing all about the thing that you're actually photographing yeah. is is makes the you know the experience when you're there um so so much more fulfilling very good yeah some some great i will I'll certainly be having a look at the hidden life of trees that looks uh, looks really quite interesting Yep. Yeah, genuinely very interesting, and yeah, some great photographers you've mentioned as well. I think uh, I think I've got pretty much all of them. Beautiful books. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's 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 great to see. I think Colin Bell is probably one I received most emails about in terms of how you go about buying a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, but it's it's very hard to find a copy of that book. But um, but no, some great suggestions there, and all it really leaves me to say is to thank you very much, Simon, for your time this evening. It's really been total pleasure inspiration chatting to you about your your book and your work thank Um, you very much yeah thank you thank you very much for your time no thank you absolute pleasure cheers